was a way to give show respect to the audience and respect your own business. It was a way to protect it. Ladies and gentlemen, heels and faces, casual wrestling fans, and all you smart marks, I am Kayfabe AJ, and this is Kayfabe Avenue. Today, we're bringing you the Raw wrap-up, you know, just a quick rundown, little review of the past Monday Night Raw. It's been a big week in wrestling, you know, a lot of... uh, Good quality matches, good quality shows in general. We had Monday Night Raw. We had the first ever Tuesday Night NXT, Wednesday Night Dynamite, Friday Night SmackDown. We had AEW All Out Pay-Per-View on Saturday. Go check out our review on uh, YouTube at Kayfabe Avenue. Check us out on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you find your podcast. Check those reviews out. Uh, but you know, like I said, big things, big week in wrestling and it doesn't stop this week. We have Monday night raw. So let's get straight into it. The show opens up with the legend killer, Randy Orton, and it's more of the same from these past couple of weeks. As far as Randy goes, cutting his promo on the WWE champion, Drew McIntyre, cutting his promo on Keith Lee, which he will end up fighting later on in the night. This will be uh, Keith Lee or in three. Keith Lee getting the clear, clean win at payback. Big, uh, you know, big ups to Keith Lee. I'm really happy what's going on with Keith. You know, a lot of fans were concerned that him getting called up from NXT, that he wouldn't get booked right. And, you know, they were concerned about his look, his his gear, you know, everything on his debut. But in just two short weeks. They showed that they're going to put, you know, the rocket fuel, the jetpack on this man. And, you know, he's getting sh- shot straight into the main feuds. And, you know, more, you know, more of that. He's circling this feud between Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre with, you know, his debut against Orton, which ended up, you know, in a no contest because of Drew McIntyre's interference. The second one was the clean victory. So this was the the rubber match, you know, to decide who's the victor. Or even if they needed another one, technically, if they needed another matchup. So, you know, Orin, typical promo. This is the best, probably, Orin we've seen in a long, long time. You know, whenever he gets into this sadistic, um, legend killer, you know, evil mindset, we love to see it on, on TV. This is possibly one of the best runs that he's got in a long time. So, more of that. So, uh, after his promo, we cut to backstage and we have the hurt business walking in you know they're doing their thing looking good walking in with their suits being badasses and picking on people backstage uh, you know how the, the hurt business is but pertaining to them i'm glad you know i want to tip my hat off to wwe we we you know we highlight the negatives but we also like to highlight the positives and honestly nothing but positive things when it comes to the hurt business they're you know MVP in particular, when he came, when he made his return, it wasn't to like big fanfare. Um, 
He, you know, came back in the Royal Rumble in the shadow of Edge's return. Not only that, the fans spoiled his return by showing his uh, Titantron screen in the test, in the practice run uh, before the show of the Royal Rumble started. So they spoiled his return. You know, the next night on, on that Raw, he was actually going to retire, have his last match against Rey Mysterio. But this turned into a couple appearance thing and eventually blossomed into him being the leader or at least the, the mouthpiece for the Hurt Business. And now we have Bobby Lashley as the United States champion. We have the underrated, the underlooked, the overlooked Shelton Benjamin, somebody who has massive talent, who as soon as they came back should have been, you know, interjected into main storyline, should have been a, a face we saw week in, week out. The Hurt Business is doing good things by them, by these guys and putting them in the spotlight so, you know, kudos to WWE as far as their handling of the Hurt Business so far. Um, yeah, great thing. So we have, uh, after that, we have Drew McIntyre, Adam Pearce backstage with security. Adam Pearce pretty much tells Drew McIntyre, like, hey, with everything going on with Retribution, it'd be best if you just, you know, leave for the night. I don't want to deal with, you know, too many things. Drew McIntyre uh, obliges, but also tells security, keep your head up and your eyes open. In other words, you would not be seeing the last of me tonight. So, you know, big things. Uh, I love Drew as champion. And like I said, I love the storyline between him and Randy and the fact that Keith, Keith Lee is circling that. I love it. Um, next up, we have the six-man tag team match. We have Apollo Crews, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander versus the Hurt Business. And, you know, I could keep on, go on and on about the Hurt Business. But this match overall was good. The real crux, the story coming out of this matchup was Cedric Alexander turning on Ricochet and joining the Hurt Business. You heard that right. White meat baby face Cedric Alexander finally turns heel, joins the Hurt Business, attacking Ricochet, allowing uh, the Hurt Business to pick up another win on Cruz. So... You know, after that, we, we get them celebrating big things, man. Like like I said, her business is, is bringing up stars that are overlooked, underutilized, you know, sitting and catering. Cedric Alexander is one of those guys. And I feel like in Cedric Alexander's case in particular, I always felt like his personality wasn't really being showcased. Like, I don't feel Cedric Alexander, he's probably a good guy, but I don't feel like he's this white me baby face good guy that they're portraying and it didn't doesn't really translate he's amazing in the ring let him have some edge and this is the way to go about it so kudos to them uh next up we have street process street profits versus angel garza and andrade and you know typical matchup between these four it's you know anytime these guys link up and they have been linking up for a long time i think that's probably the only negative is that this this Rivalry has been dragging on for a long time. Not only that, Angel Garza and Andrade barely ever get the big wins. So I don't that's that's like my big issue as far as this particular tag team is you have two great stars. You have the mouthpiece behind them of Zelina Vega. You could possibly be the best duo or trio in the WWE on Raw, and they don't win the big one. If you're not gonna separate them and do that hey we can't mesh well story and finish it 
like they've been teasing, give them a shot. Let them win big ones. Let them do what they're supposed to be doing. They're two great wrestlers. I have a big issue with that. They don't win the big ones. You know, Street Profits are the longest reigning Raw Tag Team Champions right now. Kudos to them. I love the Street Profits, and I like what they do in the ring. I just want to see more out of Angel Garza and Andrade. But the Street Profits pull out this win. And then after that, we have Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura from SmackDown interrupt their celebration. And they're finally giving me something that I have been clamoring for for over a year plus for a long time. Raw and SmackDown do not need two separate men's tag team division. They just don't. This, oh, but it gives people a chance. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And some of my Kayfabe Avenue brothers have even argued this with me multiple times. They can tell you. I've been championing for a unification for the tag team division for a long time. You you cut off people from opportunity. You have SmackDown. How many men's tag teams are on SmackDown? Let's say three, four average. Maybe three, four average on Raw. Now, you have eight possible tag teams going for the same title. We have different stories. We have different stars in rotation. We don't get, like, back in the days, we got New Day versus The Bar for almost a year straight. Or New Day versus The Usos. We can actually rotate different tag teams. We could build more tag teams this way. Not only that, it's working for the women. The women can go to NXT, can go to Raw or SmackDown and defend their titles. Maybe don't unify the NXT tag team titles. I think they personally should. Go all the way with it. Unify all three titles. Maybe they can do, you know, title unifications to that extent at Survivor Series, uh, which should be in, like, November. Uh, or October, November. Coming up real soon. Merge all these titles. Give these people the opportunity to go to different shows and big up the tag team division across all brands. It's needed. Even the NXT division. We don't have many tag teams on, on NXT anymore. We have the returning Fandango, but the Imperium is technically in NXT UK. Street Profits, they lost three Street Profits. They lost the Viking Raiders. The Undisputed Era already held the titles how, how many times. They recently lost it a few months back. There's not many big name tag teams in the NXT. So do the entire WWE a favor. And yes, unify these titles. So... I'm definitely behind this. The unification match, I guess, originally was supposed to be for Clash. But they're going to do it next week. My my guess is something big happens. Hey, maybe the NXT Tag Team Champions show up on Raw and, you know, join the, the fray of, hey, let's unify all three titles. And we get what I'm, what I'm you know, clamoring for. Because I think it's, it's a little too early for Clash. Clash is in, what, like three more weeks. So... Obviously, this is the build for the Shinsuke Nakamura Cesaro versus Street Profits match. So maybe they are going to interject NXT Tag Team titles into this feud and make it a, a real big thing at Clash of Champions. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens next week. But that was the build up for that. Uh, we have some twenty four seven championship drama. In short, r Truth and some ninjas. No title uh, change, so I won't even get into it. Next month, next match we have is Peyton Royce versus Billy Kay, and <clears throat> this is their first match 
as singles competitors on the roster, they're not allowed to tag team after losing to the Riot Squad last week on Raw. Now, that in particular, I have an issue with. We lose Bailey and Sasha. We lose the Iconics. We gain Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And we gain the Riot Squad coming back. So what is it? If two go... Uh, if, if two stay, two got to go. We can't have multiple tag teams running at the same time. Like, do better. We didn't need to separate the Iconics. Now, the rumors are they want to big up Peyton Royce and, and try to get her, you know, as a major single star. And, you know, who knows where that'll lead. But at the end of this match, Peyton Royce pulls off the win. And they show that they're still friends. They hug each other. So, Regardless if they're not friends, they're tag team. They they're not tag teams. Their friendship is still intact, which is good because my fear is they break up Diconish, which we're amazing together, um, entertainingly annoying. Um, you know, I'm I'm afraid that one comes up, they don't know what to do with them. She fails, and then the other one, being in the shadow of the other one, doesn't do anything either. So, worst case scenario, at least their friendship is still intact, and if you know, one doesn't shine. Maybe the other one could be a mouthpiece or a manager for, you know, the other person. So I love the Iconics. I feel like they should have never been broken up. But let's move on. We have uh, more highlights of Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio. We have uh, backstage, we have the Mysterio f- family. All of them are there. Then we have, you know, highlights of Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. In the ring, we have Charlie Caruso interviewing the Mysterio family and um basically this sets up the Murphy versus Dominic match later on in the in the night and um next up we have Shayna Baszler and she's gonna take on the Riot Squad in a two and one handicap match and then Nia Jax gonna do the same. So uh, you know more of this hey we can't stand each other so we're trying to you know, one up each other, and so far I do like the story as of when they won the tag team title. Shayna Baszler choked out both Sasha and Bailey, tapped them both out in their defense on SmackDown this week. Nia Jax ends up squashing both of them and pinning both of them. So they're doing this. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can't stand you story, which I you know I'd appreciate. I do appreciate the storytelling that that can give. We've seen it before in WWE. I just cannot stand Nia Jax. I just that nothing in nothing WWE can do turn her heel, turn her face. The only thing that can make me like Nia Jax is the WWE reducing her role and making her not wrestle. I'm sorry, Nia, but it's true. I don't, you know, you're never gonna hear this, and if you do, you're probably never gonna like me, anyways. So, next up we have Oscar and Mickey James versus Natalia and Lana. Natalia and Lana paired up. They're friends in real life. Hey, it's believable. We see them on Total Divas. Um, just give something for Lana to do, and that's not destroying the men's division or characters on the men's division. Um, this storyline is pretty much Asuka's the champion, Mickey James is a challenger. Let's see if they could coexist. They both end up uh, pulling off the win, uh, making Lana tap out. So obviously they can coexist. Mickey James is another person underutilized. You know, she's a veteran along with Natalie. They should be the top of the division. I've always felt uh, Natalie in particular should have been the top of the division. But Mickey James, too, she's a vet. And she's been the catering for the most part of her time back in WWE. 
she deserves a legitimate shot at the women's championship. And although I don't believe she's gonna lose, if she's gonna win to Oscar, um, at least she's in the contention for it. Maybe down the line, this could be a build up. They they finally wake up and realize, hey, we have this amazing women's talent who's also a vet and can teach while she you know wrestles. You know, maybe they pull the plug on her again and will uh, the trigger on her again and uh, we'll get a title run out of. So uh, backstage, we have the Hurt Business and they're celebrating, of course, Cedric Alexander uh, joining them. But Shelton Benjamin is kind of skeptical and tells him he's going to be watching him. Uh, but they set up the VIP lounge for uh, Cedric, officially give him the Hurt Business tea, welcome him in. Welcome him in officially as a member and then we have for no reason the viking raiders interrupting along with ricochet and apollo cruz the viking raiders i feel like they don't know what to do with them either if they're not fighting the street profits they're interjecting themselves in every tag team issue for no apparent reason do better with the viking raiders but this turns into obviously uh four on four with the hurt business winning and uh, we got Cedric actually pinning uh, Ricochet. So that, you know, jumps off of what happened earlier, him turning on Ricochet. But Ricochet actually had uh, kicked out. The ref didn't see it. So that builds up a good storyline between the two. Two guys who, I think that's the key word of this Raw is underutilized, overlooked, and, you know, underused. But they're actually putting these guys to work finally. So kudos to WWE again. Um yeah, so officially in the Hurt Business, I guess he proved that. We're probably going to see this rivalry, well, more than likely we're going to see this rivalry continue between him and Ricochet. You know, hopefully they beat the shit out of Ricochet enough that he wants to join too. <laughs> uh, he could use an attitude boost, but uh, we have Charlie backstage with Drew McIntyre. And um, he ends up, you know, pretty much stalling for commercial break. It was a little embarrassing. Um, when we come back, we have the... Randy Orton and Kevin Owens uh, video package when he beat KO uh, and KO was attacked by Alistair Black. So pretty much the next segment is the Raw Underground segment. I'm just going to throw all the Raw Underground segment in one. They were interspersed between different matches, uh, spread out uh, Alistair Black and KO and the having a nonstop brawl. They cut to them three times. Um, so I want to see this rivalry. I love KO. I love Alistair Black, but I don't want to see it in Raw Underground. I barely want to see Raw Underground. Now, some people like it. I'm on the opposing end of that spectrum, but, you know, I do give props that it is bringing people, it's highlighting certain people that we don't know, is showing some people that have been lost in the, in the struggle. You know, we have Marina Shafir and we have, uh, you know, the other, I forgot her name, the other four horsewomen, uh, you know, on Raw Underground. So I do like the fact that they're trying to new things. I do like that they're trying to showcase more people. But I feel like Raw Underground is cheesy, especially when we have companies like the UFC out who take MMA and this, you know, fighting style very seriously. And, you know, it kind of comes off like it's a joke, you know, so... Uh, I could, I personally can do without Raw Underground, but let's continue on. We finally have uh, Randy Orton versus Keith Lee. 
And like I said, like I said, I won't go too much into detail as far as how I feel, um, because I can go on and on. But good, good, uh, story. It ends with a DQ. Randy Orton picking up the DQ win. Drew McIntyre having this is about the second time he attacks him tonight. Out of three times he attacks him, and um, he calls he calls Keith Lee the match. So, you know, like I said, we might end up seeing this triple threat down the line for the title, or Keith Lee at least interjected fighting against Drew and Orton. So. I like it. Let's see more of it. I wonder where it's going to lead. Hopefully, the triple threat. More Am- uh, Alistair Black. More Alistair Black. <laughs> These raw underground segments, man. Backstage, we have Adam Pierce. Like I said, getting major screen time with Randy Orton. And um, he tells Randy Orton, sorry, it won't happen again as far as Drew McIntyre. And he says, your words mean nothing <laughs> so two-on-one handicap match we got Shayna Baszler versus the Riot Squad and we have after a turn of events we actually have the Riot Squad roll up pinning Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax outside laughing at her tag team uh, partner and fellow tag team champion like I said the storyline is actually actually could work I just personally don't like Nia Jax but uh, we end up having another Raw on the ground. Like I said, it was interspersed. Kevin Owens and Alistair Black. Um, we have the second part, Nia Jax versus the Riot Squad. This one ends in a no contest. The lights flicker and go out. And we have Retribution pretty much interfering. For the first time, Retribution actually speaks. Retribution logos appeared on the Titantrons and the walls. And uh, finally, they uh, pretty much say that the WWE is the same beast it's always been and that they're outcasts. They left to feed on the scraps. And the guy who kind of looks like Dominic Dejakovic says that the scraps feed their hunger. And he says the that the blinded cannot see and that they will tear everything apart and that they're retribution. So... I'm not too big on everything they've been doing with Retribution. I'm just curious as to who every member is. So looking at this promo and, and the little bit of the face you can see, I'm definitely sure it's Mia Yim. It's Dominic Dejakovic. And um, I'm thinking either Mojo Raleigh or what seems to be Miz. I kind of saw back there. So... Not 100% on the Mojo Miz one, but I'm definitely certain Dominic Dejakovic and Mia Yim is a part of that. Now, with those two in particular being a part of Retribution and the recent calling up of Keith Lee, is it too far-fetched that the new leader of Retribution is actually Keith Lee? Mia Yim being his girlfriend, Dominic Dejakovic being his best friend, all of them seeming to be coming from NXT. Big things. Don't quote, don't quote that as a as a fact but if you you hear it anyway you more than likely heard it here first i'm going for keith lee as the leader of the retribution and um i guess we'll have to wait and see how that turns out more backstage with ray mysterio's family i'm actually you know glad that tonight seems like the the ending of this this storyline i feel like it dragged a little bit too much the mysterio family versus Rollins and his crew 
But on that note, it's, it seems like Rollins' crew is no more. They recently let go of the AOP. So even if they were on injury leave, they are gone for good. So that, you know, expecting them to come back and join Rollins, that's out the window. Um, the way SummerSlam ended with the Mysterio family winning and Seth Rollins seemingly upset and disappointed in Murphy. This match proved proved it. Um, Rollins didn't come out at all to help Murphy. You know, long, good long match, decent. I'm I'm actually liking what I'm seeing from Dominic. I feel like he's showing some promise. But with the entire Mysterio family at ringside, they finally got their hands, paws, feet, claws, anything you can think of on Murphy. Um, Dominic beats him by submission, but literally Raw goes off the air with the entire Mary Mysterio family beating the hell out of Murphy. So um, I like that maybe being the end of that feud. We can all move on from that situation. But coming out of this, I'm hoping we see the Murphy versus Rollins. I feel like Murphy's another person underused, you know, underutilized. He's gotten some spotlight with Seth Rollins, but now it's time to step from the shadow of Rollins and, you know, be Murphy, you know, show us what you can do. We know he's great. Let, let, let's get the matches out of this guy now. So definitely looking forward to a future Buddy Murphy versus Seth Rollins. I'm looking forward to the Mysterio family moving on from this rivalry. Looking forward to next week and the possible title unification. So, uh, you know, a heavy raw, heavy dose of Hurt Business, heavy dose of Orton, Keith Lee, and um, Drew McIntyre. A lot of buildup. I, I definitely appreciate uh, this. This raw is one of the better ones in the COVID era. You know, WWE as a whole has been struggling for ratings and struggling just to find their footing. And I feel like in the last month or so, they finally found that, especially with the Thunderdome looking as amazing as it looks. So, I, you know, I'd, I'd give this Raw maybe an 8 out of 10. It was really good. Um, a lot of developments. And that's what we want to see. We had the, the rush to the pay-per-view payback. And although it was a rush, we had one week of buildup. They did okay with the buildup, but now... We got that good stretch to we got three more weeks until Clash of Champions. You know, every title on the line on that pay-per-view. So a lot to look forward. Um, I'm gonna do more of these. We'll have more raw wrap-ups, especially when it's big things popping, little things stopping, as MVP says. So I can do this all day. I have been Kfabe AJ. This has been Kfabe Avenue. Please like, share, and subscribe to us on YouTube at Kfabe Avenue. Also, follow our Facebook group. Like, share, give us your comments, your feedback, your hate mail, whatever it is. You know, send it to us. Join our group. Give us some feedback. Join the conversation. And also, follow us on the Twitter. Also, at Kfabe Avenue. Follow me at Kfabe underscore AJ. And our main Instagram page, Kfabe underscore Avenue. Like I said, this has been Kfabe AJ. This has been Kfabe Av and the Raw Wrap Up. Kenny, I know, I know you don't work for them, but take us home, Kenny. Bye. <laughs> and good night. Bad.